Hello everybody and welcome to Spill the Watts. For those of you who may be first time listeners, this is a podcast where we have inspiring and insightful conversations with the best riders and coaches in the UK and across the continent. Today's guest is Callum Brown. Callum is most famously known for his huge calves, but aside from that, he is a multiple time winner of the most prestigious hill climb in the country, the Monsell Hill Climb. Aside from that, he is currently the course record holder of multiple hill climbs across the country and is regularly taking top step winning events through the season. He is totally transparent with his numbers and has previously posted some impressive power data with one minute power of over a thousand watts, 30 seconds of over 1,400 watts and five seconds over 2,000 watts with his peak power at over 2,200 watts. For anybody who trains with power data, you will appreciate just how astronomical those numbers are. In this podcast, expect to learn how Callum has an unconventional way of training for the hill climb season, how he prepares for Monsell, what he eats on race day, and much, much more. This guy is an absolute powerhouse. He absolutely crushes watts for fun but he is also has a cracking personality, which many can vouch for. This is a conversation I am really looking forward to. Anyway, without further delay, please welcome Callum Brown. Season and half and oh God, Danny, stay on your bike! burning and you don't want to turn around anymore and you know if somebody now attacks you're going to be like blown out of the water but you just go no i just keep going just keep going tied on the inside it's this solo on the barriers penis again just showing himself he's found space where he does seem to exist but loose is there oh my goodness he's gone and done it again oh what about that thank you for coming on to the podcast um i feel this is a very well-timed podcast and to be honest, that was completely by accident. When we first got in touch, I kind of knew it was hill climb season around that time, but I didn't necessarily think that it would be the couple of days before Monsell. Also, the fact that you have been in road cycling news only this morning um, <laughs> with Road CC saying hill climber launches huge effort and snaps frame. <laughs> For all the wrong reasons in the news, yeah. Yeah, so tell me what happened. Uh, just doing my final sort of recce of Monsell yesterday. Uh, so I did a, a full full going over of my warm-up, sort of get my timings down and stuff. Um, I'd been there the day before for the first time this year just to check out the hill and get my sort of uh, starting gears sorted in my head, which I find is really important. Um, but yeah, so yesterday was the full run through, do my warm up, go to the line, roll to a stop, sort of three, two, one standing start and just absolutely blew my rear triangle to bits. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, I find that, I mean, I, I mean, I've seen the, the, the stripping of um, chain rings before, and I know that you've been one to do that, but I've, that must be the first time I've ever seen a frame be smashed under under load from a from a pedal stroke yeah have you seen I'd, that before no I'd, I'd never even 
heard of that before, to be honest. And I mean, even I, I would have thought that maybe there was like a bit of fatigue in like one of the chain stays mm. or one of the seat stays. But the way it went was like just an explosion and all four just completely shattered all at once. And I sort of just sadly slid to a stop and <laughs> was left wow. standing, didn't even come off or anything. Crikey. So obviously that kind of ruined your plans for that last kind of proper recce, I guess. Did you do any efforts before that or was that the first time? No, well, so I was there the day before yesterday as well, but that was just maybe I was going for like 40 seconds at a time or something. Um, I think one of the most important things you can do for hill climbs is to get your sort of initial strategy sorted. So basically what that entails for me is to pick a starting gear, but then also once you're sort of up to speed and into the hill proper, you need to know what gear you'll end up in as well. And what that ending up in gear is, or should be for me, I think, is basically what you're, or is highly connected to your average power mm-hmm. that you're aiming for and that you know you can sustain for the duration. Um, so for Monsel, that's a little bit harder because it's got a flat run in. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually to get that, even just your starting gear, um, sort of series of gears, uh, that sort of takes you about 45 seconds into the hill or maybe 30 seconds into the hill. Um, and only then have you sort of lost all your momentum from the flat start. Um, so yeah, I'd been there the day before and got all that sorted, but no, I hadn't done a effort all the way to the top. And to be honest, I, I really felt like I needed to do that yesterday because I haven't been racing very much this year at hill climbs that is. Um, and the weekend before I got a little bit of, odd feedback from my body and made the wrong decision which isn't like me you know you sort of end up after doing so many of these over the years you end up quite trusting your body quite a lot um and understanding the feedback from your body really well but i've been doing other things this year training for other things coming in heavier i suppose my body's different than it has been before um and i interpreted the same feedback that i got at my last race in the same way that I always would. Um, and it was the wrong decision. So that's that really bothered me. So can we talk about that? Or is that yeah, yeah. I mean that everything that you're saying now is really intriguing me. <laughs> so oh, yeah. <laughs> we go off a bit of a tangent. So what we're I'll just talking keep about rambling. There, <laughs> yeah, so what we're talking about there. So this 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 feedback from previous race or... Yeah, yeah. So my last race was uh Mill Lee which is like I literally rode to it from my house. It takes me about 15 minutes to get there. It's actually my pretty much the only hill that I do any hill climb training on, actually. Um, So I know it incredibly well. Um, But I just haven't really been doing that hill climb training this year. But yeah, so during the race, uh, maybe two thirds in, three quarters in, I just got all all the normal sensations that you normally feel and that you get used to feeling when you do these a lot. Um, was taking note of them in sort of a a calm way while you're getting pretty exhausted. Um, And I took note of all my body, all the sensations, and I decided that, oh, yeah, I've got an easy 50, maybe 100 watts extra that I can do for the last, you know, quarter or something. Um, So this is the moment. There's a little rise coming up. This is the moment to sort of pick up the pace, add that 50, 100 watts, and you'll cruise in at like a good finishing speed to the line. And it should have been a great time. Um, so I heard that feedback 
made the decision, pushed on that little bit more, and like five seconds later, absolutely blew up. <laughs> so it was completely the wrong decision. Which luckily on Millie, I mean, I was grinding by the end, and it's it's a fair sort of gradient, but on a longer, it's a nice short hill climb that on a longer effort where you're a bit more tired before you make that decision or potentially something like Monsal where it's quite steep at the end. Like if I'm, if I made that mistake on Monsal, I'd end up rolling back down the hill again <laughs> and it would have been catastrophic. So I really wanted to get this uh, effort in yesterday. Just How long to, is Millie? How, uh, in terms of duration? Uh, it's under a minute. It's, okay. it's about 55 seconds or something. Wow. I mean, I, I doubt. I think it's the same hill, but I've recently seen seen a video of you online. Can't remember where I saw it. Um, I think it was on the Hill Climbing UK Facebook um, of you churning what seems like a huge gear, and <laughs> that in fact you can hear on the audio whoever was filming saying commenting on the gear that you're turning, and you seem to be at churning out such a low cadence, like really grinding it out. Um, yeah, to be honest, I mean, we'll come into that actually, a little bit. Is that how you like to do it? To, I have learned um, through rate, like you can on, you can't really replicate the end of a hill climb like that. To be that exhausted, you can't. I don't think you can really replicate that in training. Um, like you'd have to be just going for a KOM or something like, mm. and and taking it for granted that you're not going to do any more efforts after one to really like get anywhere near that. But even then, like you've probably not warmed up like you have on race day. Mm. You've probably not done like your little preparations like you have done on race day, you know, caffeine and stuff like that. Um, and you've not got the pressure of race day, but yeah. So learning the, how you feel at the very end of a hill climb is, is tricky because it's such an extreme state of, being to be in <laughs> um, you don't get there you, you've not practiced it so it's hard to you basically and can, it's, really, yeah. it's really interesting actually how you say you know i guess i think a lot of people listening to this myself included would say that the last 30 seconds of a hill climb will always feel like the same you'll feel absolutely exhausted and it becomes a blur you know but it's really interesting actually to hear how you take on that real specific feedback on how much you can vary that effort when you can when you do a certain extra kick whatever yeah. you're saying how that yeah, responds to you none of it's a blur to me anymore really? after having done so many like um i'm quite i think i'm quite like out of body when i'm doing these you know uh you sort of watch yourself do the effort like before i've started i've i've completely understood and committed to the amount of pain i'll be in um and dissociation is probably like the best way to deal with that but then but there's dissociation but there's also you have to listen to what your feedback is like i've been saying um so it's quite out of body and i'm i'm sort of watching myself do it experiencing all the pain and everything else that come like there's some weird sensations i can talk about later if you want Mm. um but yeah taking it all in and and making judgments at the time as well but I mean, to, to get back to my point about that, that low cadence yeah. is I'd learned that over years that um, like basically from going too hard and from blowing up near the top, which is if you do it within like the last 20 meters, it's not necessarily a bad thing mm. um, because you've got all that momentum and you've, you've clearly done a good effort before. If you've actually, you know, completely spent yourself 
near the mm. top like you want to finish empty don't you so if you finish empty maybe 10 meters before the line it's not necessarily going to hammer your time um but so i learned that um when you get really tired and your cadence drops just because you literally can't turn your legs anymore that actually i found that i can still put out some pretty good power numbers mm-hmm. even with the like what looks like a terrible cadence mm. um but in reality like uh if i try to maintain say 90 rpm or something like you just physically can't do that like mm. your, your legs can't contract and relax mm. and then recontract and when they're in that much you know stress uh, or fatigue but actually if you just I, I found personally that if i just embrace the fact that i'm absolutely full of fatigue my legs can contract and relax well they can do the contracting just very slowly and actually yeah. put out quite a lot of force still mm-hmm. um so you sort of it ends up that like maybe the last 10 meters is like leg pressing over and over again mm-hmm. and it looks terrible because you're grinding but actually your power or i found that my power can be okay anyway mill lee wasn't one of those cases that was low cadence and low power so mm-hmm. <laughs> well low low power relative to what you've you can do i'm sure it'd still be astronomical compared to us mere mortals i mean um just something that's come to my mind there um again going off on another tangent but for you in the last 30 seconds of an effort like that where you're going absolutely full gas and it's huge torque you know you you're keeping this really low cadence should it be for you always a stood up effort like if you stand, sorry, if you sit down, is it like game over for you, or does it not matter? It has to be stood up, yeah. Um, take advantage of pressing your body weight through the pedals and just standing on, just literally standing on one leg. I mean, for me right now, that's eighty-six kilograms going through one leg. You know, like take advantage of that. Nice. Um, I can put out really good power sat down, um, but you have to be fresher to do it um yeah on monsel do you sit down in on any of that or yeah yeah for sure um yeah when i began hill climbing and started getting good at it um like i would have full um plans for the entire hill and that would involve well basically it would the the differentiators would be where where i'm stood up and where i'm sat down and i'd sort of have power targets and stuff um, so I would split a race up into stand here, sit there, and treat them sort of like two different um, tanks of energy. Mm. Um, but I mean, it's totally individual. And I've had years where I can stand up for like, say on the same hill, I've had years where I'll stand up for 75% of it. And I've had years where I just couldn't, I, I would blow up doing that. Like I, mm. um, and maybe I'm stood up for 25% of it interesting i mean so that, what... that, i think that's that's the same with basically anything i say it's hyper individual yeah and that's sure. you know that's one of them like that's individual and that's individual even within the same person year on year yeah um, so yeah sure. anything i say I, I don't necessarily recommend anyone to do things the way i do like that high um or low cadence at the end of a hill climb mm. uh, if you've not got great force production mm. to start with then I mean, that could be an absolute nightmare and it might yeah, yeah. might not work for you whatsoever. Mm. Uh, um, so going back a couple of steps. So Monsel's this weekend, it is currently Friday. So you've got a day and a half before the event. 
Um, what is the plan now then? So you've smashed a bike up yesterday. Um, I know you were telling me off air, but um, where do we stand between now and the event for you? I mean, I, I know you've you've built up another bike now, haven't you, luckily? Yeah, so after the event, mate of mine, Toby Edwards, he works at a bike shop. So uh, when I, uh, sorry, after yesterday. So got home from yesterday and went around his shop after hours and we, I bought him a beer and we shoved everything onto the new frame or a different frame that I have. A steel frame which uh, definitely won't break under any sort of force uh so that's all transferred over i would my job this morning was to run to some halfords in the next door city and grab a bb uh, so i can put my cranks over as well so i'll have power on the weekend uh, so that's all done as of just a few hours ago so maybe i mean i think it, i think probably as soon as we're done here i'll go off to monsell and actually get an effort done because mm-hmm. um, I'd like to get an effort done before not uh, you know two day and a half before but I'd quite like to do one peace of mind uh, but also just to give the bike a shakedown and make sure everything's working and then what do you I mean I'll I appreciate this might be slightly different to what a normal protocol would be a few days before um, and normally this might be one of the easiest days pre-sunday race two days before what does the day before a big hill climb effort look like to you normally so what would be saturday Uh, i respond quite well to doing nothing to having a day completely off the bike all right Mm -hmm. i think uh you don't really hear cyclists ever say that do you everyone's just talking about oh i hate having a day off the bike um legs feel terrible the next day and stuff but yeah, I respond pretty well to doing nothing. <laughs> um, wow. And on a typical year, like if you're dieting and stuff like that, like I think you can end up feeling like just a bit weak, like sort of day to day during hill climb season anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, not a lot the day before. That's interesting. I think uh, probably about 90% of my clients, myself included, would have like a rest day or an incredibly easy day two days before and then yeah like an hour and a half with some fairly fairly hard but short efforts the day before um and like that's what you're seeing you know it's fairly atypical to have a full day of rest the day before yeah Um, i can do both and i don't i don't mind doing like especially like a really easy ride the day before Mm. and maybe like i think it depends how much energy you have and like how much you've been training through because for maybe every year if, if I do a proper hill climb season um like I've probably only tapered for two of them out of mm-hmm. like a full season can be like 12 or 13 and you know the what is it two or three months that you do them over um so you're racing every weekend uh and I'll, I'll only taper for maybe two mm-hmm. um so normally you're just training through so then I suppose a day off the night the day before like you've got training load and stuff in your legs I appreciate you've dabbled in a few other cycling disciplines, especially this year. Um, But you are obviously most famously known for being a hill climber. So my question to you is, why hill climbing? (laughs) Um, I think it's, well, I didn't really choose it. uh, When I live in Sheffield, (laughs) (laughs) not that either. (laughs) 
um with me and my partner moved to sheffield and um i wasn't even a cyclist when we moved to sheffield um so she was doing a bit of triathlon uh i had just finished with athletics um which i couldn't do anymore because of injuries and stuff um so i was sort of looking for something else to just get a bit of exercise and sort of scratch my sort of I wouldn't say competitive, but I just love to improve at stuff. So, mm-hmm. and I like doing sports and things. So I was sort of looking for that next sport. Uh, did a couple of things, but ended up getting a bike just to commute to work. And living in Sheffield, incredibly hilly. We were at the mm-hmm. top of one of these hills. Um, and I had like the absolute most basic head unit you can think of, uh, you know, with a magnet going around your wheel. And basically like, it's just a stopwatch. And I would, uh, I just time myself going up the hill on my way home just as <laughs> something to like progress at and feel like I'm getting better at something. Um, but my, my partner, Becca, she would just absolutely kick my butt on any ride we did. Um, and I mean, she was, she was an incredible rider. Um, yeah. Yeah. Ended up racing in the domestic scene in the UK, at a very high level. Oh, wow. Um, but even before then she was kicking my butt. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, so our, our local club to get to, towards answering your question, uh, Chef Rec, uh, one of the people in the club, he is a pretty, he organizes Monsal uh, and a couple other. So he's probably one of the best hill climb event organizers in the UK. I'm probably just going out on my sort of first experiences with chain gangs and stuff. I'd imagine it was, you know, him or some of the other Chef Rec lot just said that like, you should come along to one of these hill climbs. Um, and that's what we did. And it's just a really accessible, I mean, that's the thing with it, isn't it? That like, it's probably the most accessible, it's accessible mm-hmm. part of cycling is you can just turn up or, and uh, pin a number on and like, nobody cares how good you are. Everyone's really friendly. I think it's the friendliest mm-hmm. part of cycling. Um, and yeah, go back next year, try beat your time or, basically just go for the cake and coffee afterwards like it doesn't matter i guess uh playing devil's advocate hill climbs are very similar in terms of the design of the event to time trials so my next question would be why hill climbs over time trials uh the equipment i think Mm -hmm. um like you can do a hill climb on any old bike uh, and it can be your it can be your one bike like you can mm-hmm. if you want to go all serious and like chop handlebars and stuff like that and modify well you can do that to your road bike like um and then put your double chain ring back on in the summer or whatever whereas time trials like it's so equipment dependent and heavy oh. and like i mean like i wouldn't mind doing a time trial now i've still never really done that i've done a couple on mm-hmm. a road bike I wouldn't mind getting into time trialing, but there's just no way I'm going to invest all the money in a bike. Like mm. even now when I think maybe I could do an all right one, I'm not mm. going to invest all that stuff in. Yeah. And other people, other people do. And I think it's great. Like um, if that's your, if that's your one sort of aspect of the sport, I think it's great, but yeah, it feels like TT not to knock the sport, but it does feel like it's a bit, more elitist it's you know it's just that barrier of entry isn't it it is yeah of course Um, yeah i'm not knocking it at all i think tts are really cool yeah (laughs) Um, i mean so the sensations in hill climb efforts are 
incredibly unique. Um, and before this podcast, we were talking a little bit, you sent me a message to, to say that you've lost sensations in your arms and shoulders before in TTs and you've lost vision, uh, lost color from your vision and so on from the effort. You know, I mean, I tell me, because a lot of people who may have done that, not done that before, must be thinking, well, it sounds absolutely bloody awful. <laughs> and being a cyclist myself and pushing myself, obviously I can understand it's type two fun and whatnot. And it's the, those sensations in themselves aren't necessarily the enjoyable part. Although the sadistic part of you is like, you know, it's nice to feel it, feel you feel alive when you're doing it, but tell me about it. Tell me, what draws you to those kind of efforts? Um, to be honest, I think it's, it's pretty horrible to do some of that stuff. I mean, the, looking back on some previous years, um, the worst thing for me is like, yeah, I've lost feeling all the way up to my shoulders. Yeah. And you wonder how you're still holding onto the bars. That's a bit odd. I've had like my vision draw in and go black and white before. That's super weird um but the worst thing that looking back for me is i used to get exertion migraines when i finished the event um so it's like the vague biology is along the lines of like as the blood pools in your legs basically going to feed the effort of the contributing musculature um you sort of you don't have as much circulating blood going through like your scalp and your brain and your skull and such mm -hmm. Um, so then those blood vessels get a little bit agitated. Um, but then when you finish the event, you're like um, this with, you know, along with, it makes sense with the loss of color vision and stuff. Your body goes like, what the hell? And just shoves uh, blood back up into your brain, like to fix the problem. Um, and on those already aggravated um, blood vessels, they just get flooded with blood and like expand against all your um, wow. pain receptors against your skull. And I, I used to get, I used to get exertion migraines and they, they could last up to an hour. I used to get them after every single hill climb. Um, and, How quickly look, did they come on after the hill climb effort? <laughs> well, that's, that's like the worst thing about them is like you stop, you've got your heavy breathing and stuff. Maybe you've, you, 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 know, you basically fall on the ground and you can just feel the like swelling as it comes up to your really? head and you just know exactly what's going to happen because you've, ah. you've had them before. Like it's, that's a, that's a really horrible feeling and then you're just in pain like crazy but um looking back i i can't believe that i used to do that every weekend basically knowing it was going to happen um so that's a bit crazy to me even uh went to the doctor about it and since and basically i, I just need to take an aspirin and a ibuprofen before each event and and i, I don't get them anymore oh nice yeah, yeah, it's wicked. Easily solved <laughs> then. <laughs> I, I remember even like going to the doctor. He was like, "We'll just stop doing these events." <laughs> you know, like you absolute idiot. And I'm like, "Oh well, I, I've got nationals coming up. I'm definitely not going to do that." Um, but yeah, madness, absolute madness. I mean, yeah, a nice simple thing to solve it anyway, at least. Yeah, um, yeah. But so to answer, to answer your question about what draws yeah. me to doing stuff like that. Um, it, I don't, I don't know. It's, that's not particularly enjoyable, but I just, I've sort of said before, like, I just love improving at stuff. Um, it doesn't even need to be sport. Um, 
It can be like darts or chess or something like that. I just love to get better at things. Mm. Um, and I sort of ended up in the hill climb sort of community a little bit, ended up being all right at it. And I just, I just love getting better at things. And so if that's what I have a bit of an aptitude towards, then mm. like, that's what I used to scratch that itch. Um, so I wouldn't really, I probably wouldn't, I mean, to be honest, if I wasn't that good at them, I might not do them. <laughs> that was, that's what I was going to ask you next. Yeah, I was going to say, I think you're very similar to me in that regard. And I don't necessarily, I don't think it's a good trait of mine, but I do seem to get drawn to what I get good results in. So like if I'm doing something and I'm doing my absolute best to try and get good result in, and it just doesn't seem to be working, I'll send, I'll tend to like migrate to something else. and and then you know, when you start to see you're excelling in a different discipline, you're like, wow, this discipline's the best thing in the world. <laughs> um, yeah, to, to be honest, I'm not that bothered about success. Um, I, in, in one of my like cycling off seasons, winter thing, I had this um, little challenge with my brother-in-law and sister um, to like break um, a 20 minute 5K. And like, that's not a big deal for any sort of endurance athlete, right? But um I've got really heavy legs and it just makes me the most inefficient runner possible. Um, and I thought like 20 sub 20 minute 5k, that sounds like a barrier and that sounds yeah. sort of cool to me. Um, and I was just having a little bit of fun running around during an off season. My partner was doing a lot of it. Um, and so like, so that was my thing for a month or two. Like I, I don't have to be great at whatever I'm doing. I just love to improve. And I did it and I got my 20 and, it, you know, that was wicked. But like yeah, the, the pain with hill climbs and stuff, if you're, if you're not getting the, um, the results and you have to go through all the pain and stuff, I don't know. I'm, I don't sound like the biggest advocate for this sport, but I'm glad loads of people do it because the community is absolutely amazing. And I, yeah. I mean, like, I love to chat to all the people I know in the community and people I don't know and sort of, you know, ask about what their PB is and how they think they're going to go today and stuff because I suppose they're doing something similar, aren't they? Mm. Everyone's just trying to get a little bit better. I've heard you say recently to me that, um, well, you disclosed that you didn't actually enjoy cycling that much or you don't enjoy riding your bike as much as you might think a lot of cyclists do. Can you expand? Uh yeah like i said before I, I built a bike just to commute on um i think to to get better at cycling it takes a lot of time doesn't it and a, a time commitment all these uh all the easy hours you have to get in and stuff and i just coming to cycling so late and not really not having done any endurance sport before um i just, I just i've never really been that into it mm -hmm. And then it being my thing to try get better at, I was like, all right, well, I have to do the training. And actually, well, I suppose having not done any endurance before and having not been a cyclist, it was really low hanging fruit for me to get better at and just build any endurance and I would get better. Mm -hmm. So I suppose that was quite nice. And I put up with having to do all the training and stuff. Um, but it has it's changed over the last sort of two years mm -hmm. um, where, well, one thing happened where I think I was riding along and I just realized that like, uh, I, I live in Sheffield. I can go out into the Peak District. Like it's absolutely stunning around here. 
and it, it's literally if i go on my bike for 10 minutes i've got like one of the best views you could imagine um and that's just me getting into the peaks and i, I realized all of a sudden that like i don't look at the view this is about two years ago like i've just i just look at like the road in front of me like what am i actually doing and so ever since then i make a real point of like i basically don't ride looking forward like i've got really good at riding sort of with your head slightly to the side like i'm just constantly looking at the views i love to look at all the animals like the if i if i spot a pig that's an amazing day on the bike for me <laughs> uh, i take take note of all the nice sheep that are around and if there's any special breeds like i'll memorize where they are and i can visit them on different days like i just love looking around and being out in the in the outdoors especially where i live now so it Do has changed part a lot. of maturing you could call it that sure <laughs> it's helped me get like out I, on the bike more <laughs> i feel like i've done that of late I, i'm i I can relate to what you're saying. I feel like I don't, I feel the way I described it is that I, I, I don't describe myself as a cyclist. I compare, I, I describe myself as a athletic individual who rides his bike, who races a bike, you know? Um, and there's a difference because to me, a cyclist rides his bike because he enjoys riding his bike. Whereas for me, it's just like a way of venting, my competitive spirit but like i'm with you a few you take me back five years ago the act of going out on a three-hour ride i did find like for a few years i was always questioning it thinking why am i doing this i'm not enjoying this like yeah. i'm doing it because i feel i have i have to to get better to get my race results but i'm not doing yeah, we, it because i enjoy it we sound quite similar then yeah and obviously um, we'll both have friends who i mean the people on your podcast before like mm. they say if they don't get out on the bike like it's a bad day like they have to do it and they just mm. absolutely love it mm. like i'm pretty jealous of people like that it would make training a lot easier <laughs> i mean I, I i mean but then recently following on from what i was saying i think for me it's partly because time is a bit more um precious with having children personally but I, I appreciate the time i have to myself a bit more and getting out and like you say looking in nature and appreciating daft things like a beautiful day and whatnot um i feel like it's part of maturing but um but no that's interesting what you were saying um so for you um until recently taking in the wildlife taking in the views um going out on a ride where let's just say you'd you said today you were going to go out and do two hours not necessarily doing any efforts you know was the resistance there would you say or was it um i'm not sure i think maybe it's it's when you're trying to build like full weeks of training and you're starting to get tired and stuff and and like it's monotonous as well isn't it if you if you're doing like if you're doing over 10 hours a week on the bike like there's no way that that can't be monotonous because you're doing so much of the same thing every day um so yeah, it really helps to to love it and uh yeah maybe it's like unfortunate that this this sport takes so much time to be any good at you know 15 hours and stuff um but no i i, I like it now um yeah I, I like getting out in with a mate and stuff mm -hmm. um 
like a five hour ride like i can enjoy a six hour ride and stuff like that you know cafe stops and cycling like that's anyone how can you not like that <laughs> you know the so <clears throat> let's kind of rewind the pages a bit then so you are 32 now you're you're year older than i am um Tell me about the Callum Brown before your balls dropped and before you got a tash. So tell me about your childhood. Um, oh, God. You might have to be more specific than that. What do you want to know? Well, so um, bits of it. I mean, you did you start? You didn't start cycling at a young age then. What, what age did you start cycling? Oh, when we moved to Sheffield. So and even like a year after that. Um, wow. God, what would that have been? I want to say like, I don't know, maybe six years ago. That seems like a oh, long time wow. now. Crikey, I, yeah. I, I remember, I've always, I feel like I'm a rookie, like perpetually, but I'm not anymore. <laughs> I've been doing it for at least a few years. <laughs> so going back before that then. Yeah, uh, yeah, we, I, I didn't do any kind of, cycling really. Um, I've got information that you represented Scotland in the decathlon. Yeah. What yeah, kind of age was that? Uh, yeah, so when I was younger, I'd, I did like rugby and athletics and everything at school. I was always really good at sports at school. And actually something that helped that semi-interesting is my sort of, um, like I was, what would I have been? Young for my age group or old for my age group? It, whatever it was, I, I had to compete when it was um, actual athletic events with children from the year above me at school. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I guess I would have been like the very youngest you could be for the mm. age group yeah and i would be competing for people against people in the year above me mm -hmm. so like i had a slight uphill battle um but i just love like the competitive competitiveness within yourself not with other people like that's what really drew me to athletics is it's it's completely personal like it doesn't you cannot affect what other people do on the day mm. um say if you're a high jumper right and you just get one centimeter higher than you've ever done before like it's it's nothing to do with anyone else maybe it wins you a competition maybe it gets you like a sixth in a competition but it doesn't matter because you've absolutely won on that day like you've 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 done better than ever before like mm -hmm. um i just loved that so much um but yeah competing against all these kids in the year above and stuff um i still continue to do really well um so I think that sort of pushed me on a little bit extra. Um, but to be honest, when I was at school, like I didn't even know there was such a thing as athletics clubs. Like I right. thought like these sports and stuff you do are basically, it seems ridiculous looking back now, especially because I was quite good at it. Um, like how did a teacher or something not be like, oh, instead of, you know, a P when we're doing athletics, be like, oh, Callum, do you know about, you know, Edinburgh, from Edinburgh? like Edinburgh Athletics or Central AC, stuff like that. You should you should look into joining one of these clubs. Like nobody ever said anything like that to me. I just had no yeah. access to anything like that. Didn't know they existed. Uh, so I went all through school without joining a club or anything. Um, and only really started when I was like, I think I was like 18 or something where I properly joined the club and actually got training with a like a real group. Um, and yeah, got selected to represent Scotland in a like a home nations thing so it'd be scotland england wales and ireland uh yeah did that for a couple of years which i was probably like 19 and 20 mm -hmm. maybe 21. did you find that 
Um, so as well as the stuff you were doing at school, were you doing your own training off like at, from home as well? And, and were you doing much of your own thing or was it just all involved with school then? Uh, not really doing my own thing, but I was pretty outdoorsy. Uh, my parents' house was pretty much like out of the city. Uh, so there's like woods at the back of the house and stuff. So I'd always be running around and like have mates around and be running around. Um, pretty when I when I did join a club and stuff, um, my parents were quite supportive, but in like they had no idea sort of way. <laughs> so like, for example, we ended up like I think there's probably still a shot putt at my dad's house, and there's probably like a javelin in the garden somewhere. Um, so you know there's stuff like that where we'd get like a cheap javelin and i could like throw it around the garden um yeah i don't know <laughs> it always really interests me when someone chooses um a sport like decathlon um <clears throat> i mean this is so narrow-minded of me but you know I've, I've never like i've had a couple of interests before you know running and cycling or whatever it might be so what what are we looking at then so you've got all the throws apart from the hammer. So shot, discus, javelin, uh, long jump, high jump, and pole vault. Uh, you've got the 100 meters, 110 meter hurdles, 400 meters, and 1500 meters. Wow. Is that 10? I think so. 10 events. Yeah, over two days. I mean, within that, um, I mean, you know, obviously this is a cycling podcast, so we're not going to go too much off the off the... But within that, I mean, there must have been some events that you hardly really trained for, were there? Uh, yeah, I mean, like some events, they're meant, well, the way the scoring system worked is when it got designed, it was based off the current world records. So since right. some world records have progressed much further than others, or to say it in another way, back then, some world records were sort of proportionally a bit weaker. Um so some of the events actually score more if you're good at them. And some of them, if you're really good at them, you don't actually score that much more than your competitors. Um, but yeah, you, you, I mean, it's a, there's a lot of training. Um, but luckily, like uh, a lot of the events bleed into one another. So say like the long jump and the 100 meters, they're basically like one for one. If you're good at one, you'll be good at the other one. Um, wow. Like they're all dependent on the same things. Yeah. The sort of outliers are like pole vault because it's so technical. It's its own mm. event. Shot putt. It's its own event because it's so strength based or sort of power based. Um, and the 1500 meters is the only endurance event. And that, if well, we talk I mean, about, that... if, sorry, if we talk about physiology and your stature now, um, and we'll go a bit into that later in the podcast, but I do see you as, you know, an absolute powerhouse sprinter. Um, <laughs> so the different events in decathlon, events like 1500, was that your weak spot? Was that your weak point? The 1500 meter is the outlier for every decathlete. No decathlete right. is good at the 1500 ah, meter. Okay. Like it's a real outlier. Um, and it's the last event out of all of them. So you've done two days, like you're pretty knackered by the end and really yeah. beat up and everyone just struggles around it together. So yeah, a bit of an outlier. <laughs> so um, 
how was alongside your sporting stuff um how was the rest of that kind of era uh education um was it a means to an end for you or was it did you really enjoy it and kind of where did you go from school did you do any kind of um college uni stuff uh i really enjoyed my time at school it was a nice mm-hmm. school uh but i mean people would say that like you just weren't engaged enough but like i didn't do very well at school mm-hmm. uh maybe because it's quite a high achieving school like i i i came out with all right results at looking back um but yeah never felt i was particularly good at school i did go straight to uni in london uh for a year to do um primary education as an undergrad but um that was completely the wrong decision i just thought you had to go to uni straight from school so i did that dropped out within like the first year big mistake had a great time in london made loads of great friends and stuff but uh yeah, came back to Edinburgh and just started working. Um, and it was only, well, I ended up going back to uni again. Uh, what would it have been four years ago as a semi-mature student, I guess, 27 or something. Sports science um, was that. Yeah, sports science as an undergrad. And I've literally just finished my master's um, a week ago. Wow. Yeah, it was sort of had a, I think I still had a bit of a chip on my shoulder. Like I, I had quite nice jobs and stuff like mm. I was doing fine um I had a little bit of a chip on my shoulder about like feeling like I wasn't great at school and maybe like a little something to prove mm. um but yeah I graduated undergrad with the uh, best result out of the year and stuff which was oh, I love I love to say that and yeah. it sounds boastful but I was shit at school so I'm allowed yeah, to yeah, gloat yeah. in it now <laughs> yeah getting into the tasty stuff your training um now i think when people think of a stereotypical hill climber they see this wiry framed 55 60 kilo guy who's super 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 lean but also has very little musculature um and i know you won't mind me saying at all but you are far from that um and look more in recent photos like a track sprinter um tell me uh how do you personally prepare for the hill i mean this is a very difficult massive question to answer how do you personally prepare yourself for the hill climb season and how do you feel this may differ from conventional training yeah so that's not that hard a question to answer for me um so probably alluded to it before people can guess that like i'm sort of endurance um my endurance is uh neglected a little bit or it's my weak point right um got decent muscle mass definitely got power got some strength but uh yeah endurance lacks a bit uh so for me basically for the whole year if i just train endurance it feels that weak spot and I, like i'm an all right endurance rider i can i can road race and stuff i'm a first cat now and stuff um but yeah for basically for the whole year it's a lot of zone two um if i can be bothered i can throw in some sweet spot and stuff but basically it's it's the volume getting the volume in 
Um, and then when it actually comes to training for hill climbs specifically, I've done pretty much the same thing for all my years really, which is starting off with um, 30 second sprints all out. Um, so you've built all that aerobic stuff before well, you better of <laughs> when it's like six weeks to go to hill climb season, you better have that aerobic base because you're not going to develop it much more after that. Um, yeah, six weeks to go, I'll start doing some anaerobic efforts um, to build that sort of glycolytic system, W prime. Um, and that just, you just need to deplete all your anaerobic um, stores to try and get them to uh, fill up a little bit bigger when you rest. Um, but that's like, it's sort of like sharpening the knife, all that stuff. You can only really do it for like four, six weeks, something like that. Uh, so my like go-to session to be really specific will be on new mill. Like I said, it's my one training hill. That's like a minute hill, but I'll do 30 seconds on it. Absolutely all out, like as, as hard as I can. And when you start doing that session, like full full rest between something like 12, 15 minutes in between. Um, even longer if you need it, to be honest, so you can actually deplete your stores again, like let them fill up and deplete them again. When I first start doing that session, I'll get like three consistent reps and I'll be absolutely dead by the third. I mean, you're dead in between each of them. Um, but if I take that session and then the power might go up, you know, the sort of average power of each rep, that might go up marginally. But what I'm looking for is to basically work my way up to being able to do six in a row without much um, degradation to the power, to the average power. And if I can do five or six of them really high quality, then I know that like that sort of um, anaerobic capacity side of my physiology is like pinging. And uh, that has me really ready to go. Just to <clears throat> quickly put in there, because I think this is a, one thing a lot of people get wrong in my opinion being a being a coach i think it's a it's a something i see all the time when doing that type of training two key points there a you're giving yourself loads of rest between those efforts yeah 30 30s and stuff isn't going to cut it you just exactly. it's a different session yeah. yeah and b you are focusing on absolute quality and as soon as you see that quality going down you're stopping that session like you were saying you're doing three efforts at the start of that you know i think a lot of people what they do is they go in with that mindset of like oh yeah i'm gonna do 10 efforts today yeah you yeah. know not only that but they only give themselves three three minutes recovery whatever it might be and then yeah the first one might be okay it probably isn't okay because in the back of the mind they've got 10 efforts yeah, to do exactly yeah um and they've just got awful quality so i mean that, yeah. that's probably a great aerobic session but it's not mm -hmm. what you're trying to target no. So you progress that until you can do about six of those efforts, roughly. If I can do six and there's like almost no drop off in power, then that's like, that's as good as I can get. Like you can, because they're so hard and the power is so high, like you, you, I just can't get better than that. Like, um, I think I would have to, like, I'd have to turn into a aerobic sort of diesel or something. Mm -hmm. And so, well, so here you go again, like this is specificity is this, probably won't work for everyone um i mean maybe some people could probably go out and do 10 consistently with 10 minutes rest in between they could probably do that right now um and if 
someone like that really wanted to develop their sort of minute power, 30 second power, something like that, like they're not going to do it with a session like that because they just don't have the capacity to do the high output in the first place. Like they don't have the capacity to dig themselves into a hole in the first place. Um, so like they should probably just go to the gym. Mm. Might not be so what they want to do, but yeah. Is that roughly, so six weeks out, how often a week are you doing that kind of session? Once a week. Once a week. Um, um, yeah. If I, if I need it and um, ideally, like if I was to plan out my perfect season, then maybe I'd have started a little bit earlier with um, like some VO2 max training as well. So I've had seasons where I've done, like that's my key session is that 30 second session. And I've, I've had seasons where I've experimented with um, adding duration to those efforts as well. So if I get to like six by 30 seconds, then I might add it to like um try to do five by 40 seconds mm. um but because i can put out so much power you know like um way above critical power like i i can deplete my entire anaerobic capacity within like like probably within like 40 seconds mm. um so adding duration doesn't really work um yeah, as I was saying, I might add a VO2 max session. So I've had years where I've done that sprint session and a VO2 max session, and that's my sort of, and everything else is just zone two or even zone one. And that's my sort of weeks leading up. So for you, what's a typical VO2 max session for you? Uh, sports science degree comes in handy there where you can manipulate a few other things. So uh, probably my favorite one is something like three by eight minutes um but your main focus is to go for high cadence and you're because you're trying to stretch the heart muscle as much as you can and one way to do that is to increase diastolic filling volume so you want to really force blood into your heart as much as you can so by upping your cadence um you get a bit you can get the additive effect of the muscle pump action um not letting uh blood just pool in your legs but force it back into your heart um so yeah something like three times eight minutes really focusing on high cadence power secondary uh, high heart rate is the the main thing you're aiming for perfect um you've already mentioned aside from those two key sessions you're doing very easy riding and essentially prioritizing recovers recovery so you can get as much quality out of those two sessions as you can where does gym work come into all this? Because I know that for you, it's a big component to your training. I'll just say before that I don't, I don't know if I necessarily completely prioritize quality because you like you can um, end up doing too little volume. Um, like for me, I think I would get the biggest benefit of consistently doing like at least 10 hours if i can consistently do 10 hours then actually it's like how much quality can i add on top of that like with the minimum 10 hours um that would probably get me better results than going purely on the quality of the sprints and then neglecting the endurance stuff mm -hmm. um but yeah gym stuff my most successful hill climb seasons has, have been off practically no gym um maybe some single leg squats at home or something which might be surprising to people because I think for some reason, especially this year, I mean, I have done a lot of gym this year. I've, I've been trying to get a bit more into track, 
but yeah this year people seem to think i do loads and loads and loads of gym which i have this year but no not in previous years right yeah i mean i've i've only properly known you for the last year and i know you've been doing a lot this year so i assumed you've been doing it for for many years um so is that something that are you doing more gym work now because you've learned the major benefits of it or is it just because you're probably having more focus on track so there are major benefits to strength training and i don't think any cyclist shouldn't do it um even just from like an efficiency standpoint um and what no matter what your event is you need to have the capacity to win as well um so for a roadie like unless you're just gonna go all in on uh trying to tt off the front like you have to have some sort of capacity to win if you want to win right so you have to have some sort of sprint and you can set that number at whatever you want and say that that's your appropriate level of capacity to win so for most people maybe like you know a 1200 watt sprint could if you come into fresh in a in a group off the front that will probably get you a win um so this is my long-winded way of saying that for hill climbs like i have the all the capacity stuff that i need that you would get from strength training um so you, you don't need more than 2000 watts to do to win a hill climb right that's ridiculous um so why would i be doing strength training um if i can constantly do 2000 watts throughout the year if i drop down way way below that then maybe i would make a decision that i should add strength training for those reasons in um but that hasn't been the case um probably from my you know years of doing decathlon and stuff like that i'm plenty powerful um so that that's why i haven't done strength training particularly before but that's been different this year because uh, different goals which we can talk about if you want so the strength training this year if you didn't have these different just to be clear if you didn't have these different goals and you mentioned track stuff if your only priority priority was hill climb season this year would you be doing as much strength training as you are now or not no way no way okay um and it's, it's really hampered I'd, I'd maybe do like i mean i quite like strength training um I, I might do like a session a week, um, you know, some heavy squats or something each week, some single leg work each week, maybe. So just um, to clarify then like what you were saying, and I wholly agree with this as a coach, um, you are suggesting that if you feel like the strength element to it, uh, effectively that torque production is the limiting factor as you for you as an athlete, then you should have a big emphasis on the strength training to try and get up that that up. But if you, like yourself, can produce that absolute number with no problem, and it's more of the aerobic component and the the energy, other energy systems that you get on the bike, then there's no need to be in the gym as much. Yeah, ideally, even if you were strong, you would still do both. But the thing is, yeah. you can't do both. Um, and especially like I've as I've transferred over to doing more strength training to get my torque up specifically, not my power, just to improve my torque. So standing start stuff, you know, in, in a big gear standing start. Um, as I've added all this strength training, like I have really struggled to uh, keep up any endurance training uh, and do any sort of like, I mean, even like when I, 
when I realize I can't do all the volume and stuff, like, cause you're tired from the gym and things, then I've been like, well, what if I, since I can't do the volume, it would be pertinent to maintain like a VO2 max session a week or something, some sort of like quality intensity. But like, even that, like, like I've dropped down to like six hours a week, five hours a week, four hours a week this year. Um, just because the strength training is so tiring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, when people knew that I was on the podcast, I think that's quite a lot of questions or something along the lines of like, how do you balance strength and endurance? Mm. And like, it's a struggle. Mm. Um, the answer think, is you don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like you have, it's, it's a sliding scale and you can't do mm. both. I think that sounds really um, negative. And for your sort of average cyclist, I wouldn't quite take that advice because mm. like I am, I'm, I'm strong enough. Like I'm not weak in the gym. Um, even though I wasn't doing a lot of strength training. And so I think because I'm not, because I'm a little bit strong, like to get stronger is actually quite a lot of effort. Mm. Um, But for, for your average cyclist, yeah, you probably could do both or you could at least, you could do very little gym work and actually get a really great response. Mm. And you, you effectively probably could do both. Mm. Coming at this from a different angle for the listeners. Um, I kind of explain because I feel like listening to what you're saying, if, if your best years, those, those years where you were producing, you know, some of your best results, you were doing very little strength training going into those years. It sounds like you do have a very good natural capability of producing these incredible numbers. For me, I have a big um, foundation of strength training behind me for my cycling and I know without that, I can, I wouldn't be touching any of the numbers that I can for five seconds, 10 seconds, 20 seconds. So I really have to work in the gym in the off season to get up to that. But you very right. What a very common question when they see, you know, Instagram stuff of you doing a few lifting sessions and riding your bike, they assume or the, or the question is, oh, you know, how do you balance it? And, and that, that's the reality is that, for me personally, it's heavily periodized in the off season, quote unquote off season. Yeah, I'm left lifting three times a week, but my bike volume is like four hours. And, yeah, and, and there's not much quality, if any quality in there at all. Um, because I'd know that my legs would be absolutely ruined every time I jump on the bike. Um, and then when it comes into the season, you've you've kind of developed that all of those gains that you've found in the gym and then it's about applying those that onto the bike in the, the best way possible one Without main completely ne- ne- neglecting yeah. the gym you like you gotta yeah of course don't mm. don't uh, don't let it all go to waste you know of course yeah one one gym things. session a week or two sessions every 10 days something like that sounds good you can kind of uh limit the losses there as much as you can you're gonna see a little bit of regression but not much um and then bringing in the quality on the bike but yeah, it's it's hard to balance the, them both, or it's near enough impossible. Um, but it's really interesting, actually. I didn't I didn't appreciate that you that that yeah that you didn't do much in in previous years. So I, d- I don't know if it was optimal in previous years because mm. I will say now that we're talking about it more, mm. um, that even when I've been down at like consistently sort of five hours a week and stuff this year, um, like I got my first cat this year, like a lot of I've been really surprised that from such little volume, how much fitness I've maintained. And I can't quite 
say whether that is um like how much aerobic fitness have i lost versus gains i've made in the gym transferring over to you know this sort of endurance capability i expect surprisingly quite a lot um so i do think probably my endurance has come down a lot but my strength has made some sort of difference that i didn't appreciate it would to actually keep me quite fit Mm. um whether it's through like crazy efficiency or contractile properties like working at such a low capacity of their max or something i'm not sure Mm. on the subject of the gym work based on what you know um you know because there'll be a lot of cyclists listening to this that are in that situation where they're like ah yeah based on what Colin said i don't have that capacity to produce those numbers and i feel like the gym work could really enhance that what does a typical session look like i would say for those riders don't complain about like not having a snap or like getting dropped because you couldn't close a gap and stuff like people need to stop complaining about that because so many people complain about it and they're not doing anything about it you know so get to the gym or something like do some do some sprint work to get to the gym maybe put on a little bit of weight like it's not going to hurt but yeah so for me my sessions are really quite uh, simple I do a lot of like repeating the same sessions Um, if I'm I tend to do the gym twice a week Uh, so first lift on either one of those is either a squat or a deadlift Um, then I'll maybe do like a single leg variation um, and then finish with like a bit more of a hypertrophic type exercise probably targeting the quads um which is slightly lacking behind my uh glutes and calves i suppose mm-hmm. um so yeah with the with the the first exercise your squats or your deadlifts i'd say something like that's your that's your quality where you need to just get absolutely crazy weights on the bar um so you know that sort of two to five rep range uh four sets something like that you don't really need to go to well you know from the literature you'll probably know this as well you don't need to go really that close to your um max reps and reserves or rp whatever you want to call it um but just make sure you're lifting something really heavy Mm. uh single leg stuff like a single leg leg press single leg squats single leg deadlift variations i like all that stuff um and yeah finish off with something to like get some sort of pump don't be scared of like for for eight for my i used to do a lot of like olympic weightlifting and stuff for athletics um i liked training in the gym back then as well and i for like 10 years i probably never did anything above like two reps like my volume was like two reps at a time and if i was versus my strength work was like one rep at a time so I've completely, it was really novel this year now that I know, I know a lot more and I know the sort of science behind it a bit better. Even though that worked for me before, I've not been scared of like um, getting like a proper pump up at like 15, 20 reps and stuff like that. It's a different sensation. Um, but yeah, I quite like it now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe that's your sort of hypertrophy stuff. Get some, actually get like a pump at the end. Um. Let's talk about the 
body weight conundrum then, because I guess this nicely feeds into it. Now, am I right in saying this is going to be your heaviest year coming into the hill climb season? Yeah, big time. Yeah, Which, to um, do any hill climbing. Yeah, what's were what was like? What were you at your lightest then? If you're 86 kilos now, what was your lightest year? I'm 86 now. Um, I haven't tried to lose any weight for hill climb season. Um, so I've been 80, 85, 86 for a while. Uh, in a normal season, if I'm training really well, like good amount of volume and I'm, you know, good FTP, good fitness and stuff, then just by doing all the work and stuff. Well, I mean, I, I didn't used to have so much muscle mass. Like I, I've, I've been measuring my legs every sort of month or something since I started going to the gym more. Like I put on a lot of muscle mass mm-hmm. uh, before I didn't quite have that. Um, but so if, if I was doing consistent volume as well, then I'd sit at like 78 kilos, maybe 77. And that would be like road race fitness, really good aerobic fitness and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then for like hill climbs for two national champs, I got down to 74 and like I'm 86 now, normally 78, you know, back in those years, uh, 74 was like crazy light and, and so much so that like that's sustainable for like less than a week. Like that was ridiculous. Um, and probably not something I would do again, looking back. Uh, maybe it's a bad part of the sport. I don't know, slightly unhealthy, but you get a bit obsessive with stuff like that. Mm. um and like it's coupled with crazy fitness because you've you've tapered like mad um so you know you're like the fittest you've ever been but then you're also like this odd sort of frail list you've ever been as well mm. it's a, a bit of an odd one um yeah i probably wouldn't go that hard if i if i target um like really really target a season again i probably won't treat it that way again Mm. so do you think and i guess this is something that might be hard for you to discuss a couple of days out from such as monsel but do you feel like this year um with being that much heavier than previous years are you going to be up to the similar times that you were before like you you've got some quality there still clearly and i know you're putting out incredible numbers but can you are you that much better than where you what you were when you were super light or not i would have i would have hands down said completely no uh, a few weeks ago i've done two races this season so the sort of like the last two weekends um and i've won them both really surprisingly to me uh so I would have, I wanted to say no, but uh, I suppose those two results say that I'm still sort of within a shout. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, I'm like, I'm still fighting against like the reality of my scientific brain versus uh, people still think I'm a favorite. And I suppose I've got those two results behind me. Uh, but yeah, the weight is there. I mean, obviously my bike's going to be heavier since I broke my blooming frame. Mm. Uh yeah, you can't ignore that, that you're just carrying, well, what I'll be carrying. Maybe like if it eight was more you kilos up the hill. You. Sorry, if it was you against Oh, you, yeah. I would wreck myself. I would yeah. absolutely destroy myself. Like, 
yeah me me now versus me i don't know what two years ago or something like i just let that guy win <laughs> yeah 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 i mean i i have the data as well like i've got power numbers from the sort of little bit of the few sessions like i've done a few of those 30 second sessions for example mm-hmm. i think i've done that uh, three times this year mm-hmm. only got up to four reps we were talking about getting up to six yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but i've got i've got those sessions and i can see that um my power is pretty much the same as it uh-huh. as maybe very slightly yeah i think it, it's it's a little bit better than it's ever been um but the watts per kg is yeah maybe the same i think it's worse a little bit worse but like as far as monso goes like i'm gonna go there and absolutely you know i've entered i'm, I'm gonna be there may as well give it a you know crazy 110 percent effort and do everything i can like is monso your favorite hill climb of the year uh i think it's the best hill climb of the year i wouldn't say it's my favorite because it comes with that much more pressure mm. Um, I think I deal with the pressure quite well. Like, I'm not saying I hate the pressure, uh, but no, it wouldn't be my favorite just because of that. I'm mindful that, uh, well, I'm mindful of time. I can't, I've just checked how long we've been talking. It just seems to be, time seems to be going so quickly. So, um, you can cut out all the boring bits. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to come on to um, on the day. Um, for someone who is, you know, incredibly good at what they do, uh, you know, I think a lot of people, they don't want to hear all of the training that you do. They don't want to hear all of the time it takes to get to where you are. They just want to hear like the little things that they can do on the day to potentially improve the performance. At the end of the day, Monsel is in a couple of days time. So people don't have all this time to prepare for it, but they can change some things they do on the day. So you mentioned warm-ups. You mentioned perfect, perfecting your warm-up and the, the exact timing protocol. Can you give us a bit of an insight into what you found works best for you? I know it might not be the same for everybody, but... <clears throat> well, so for little things that people can do better, uh, now's not the time to change anything if you're going to do mon, so just stick with whatever you think is the best idea and have confidence in it. Good. Uh, but one of the probably the biggest things that I would ask people to think about if, you know, if we pose it that way is to um for your warm-up like really check that you need to do everything you're doing in your warm-up and for me it's been a a long process over the years of basically just stripping my warm-up back and back and back to the absolute minimum um so that i get to the start line as fresh as i can and like how how did we ever get away from sort of doing like your your warm-up should be the minimum amount you can get away with like it's obvious isn't it but so many of us at some point are, end up doing like these crazy like pyramids and efforts during the warm-up it's like a race in itself isn't it mm. so yeah really like think about what you're actually doing and if it's necessary and try and even if you think it's necessary try take a bit out and actually see if it has much of a difference so like, i don't need the absolute specifics but what's the basics in terms of what yours includes i'll give you the specifics i don't mind it's not okay, complicated um i think it's 50 minutes out from go time i'll start it's something along the lines of 10 minutes of really easy like really easy just to get yourself pedaling and then i do the crux of it is over the next five minutes i this works really well on rollers is so for the next five minutes 
start so you'll be at like zone two heart rate because you've just done 10 minutes here easy for the next for every subsequent 30 seconds add 5 bpm to your heart rate okay but do that by changing gears as few times as possible so you'll start off in a really easy gear because you've done the easy work and then you've just got to increase your rpm to increase your heart rate so quite soon on you'll be like spinning out that gear mm. feel like you're spinning out that gear so go for like another five bpm another 30 seconds so get it at high cadence before you then have to change up to then mm. progress your heart rate anymore and then your cadence will go back down and you do the same thing again and so within that five minutes like five minutes is long enough to reach your max heart rate and if you get up to like you know sort of 90 95 max heart rate then that's like your entire internal system is absolutely like bouncing and because you've done this sort of high cadence uh lowest gear possible i just find it keeps your legs super fresh mm. um so you've sort of spent the minimum amount of energy mm. while you've sort of done like rev outs and stuff and mm. your heart's going crazy so you're like vo2 max low component's going to be really short when you start the effort uh like just everything is 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 primed then i'll probably do like five minutes of easy spinning i like to sit in the car a lot for a hill climb before like just sit with like headphones on or something or like chat to my partner or something but like i like to sit in the car with like nothing to do like close the doors and it's nice and quiet and like you can think about your effort or whatever but you know like a little safe space and at some point i'll probably go and do uh, a couple of sprints um and they can be like you know two times five second sprints or something just because like if you do you know something like those 30 seconds effort efforts we talk mm. about your second one's always your best one it's mm. never your first one mm. so get a couple of sprints in and then you know that when you start the hill climb like that'll be your best one a little bit of confidence there and yeah maybe there's like five minutes of easy spinning before you roll to the start line mm. you know something like that how do you personally decide what you're going to eat and drink before the event? First of all, what time roughly, what time of day is Monsal raced? Uh, I think Monsal starts at 11. I think I'm off at like uh, just before three or something. Oh, wow. Long event, okay. there's a lot of people. Do you have a go-to routine in terms of like the morning of an event, the morning of a race what you eat and when to make sure that you're appropriately fueled for everything you're going to be doing, but also not got anything sitting in the stomach and so on and so forth. Uh, I don't have a routine, but I do do uh, like low residue diet so that I'm not, I'm sort of emptying my bowels maybe even the day before and not filling them back up, finding a toilet on like race day and stuff, especially if you've like popped a caffeine pill, that all gets a bit, annoying to have to deal with uh so i'd rather have my guts a little bit empty before even starting mm. um but no like i don't i don't have a real routine particularly like i've got timings of when i need to take that aspirin and ibuprofen mm. uh, and pop that uh, caffeine sometimes i take bicarbonate as well mm -hmm. uh, so like i've got timings for that um and like i'll set set a bunch of alarms that's what i do as well uh like set an alarm for when you need to start your warm-up set an mm. alarm for when you need to like do your final 10 minutes of spin or whatever it is yeah 
I'm a big fan of um, like timetables, like on a piece of paper, like writing a timestamp of when everything needs to, like working back from the time of the start of the event and working everything back. Cause it's so easy to like turn up an event and start chatting to your mate and then yeah, you yeah. see someone else on the way back from sign on. And then suddenly you've got five minutes to get changed, put your number on and start your warm-up, and you've just not got enough time. So, um, you know, yeah, I've got a little notepad in my phone and that's yeah. probably got like the same warm up for the last couple of years. I just changed the times. Mm. There is so many things we could talk about here, um, but I am going to move on to the questions submitted from listeners of the podcast um, because there's a whole variety of different ones, which is quite spicy. Now, cool. I don't want these to be too much long-winded answers. I want them to be fairly short form. Um, going by so far, out. I think I might struggle with that. <laughs> I feel like I've been <laughs> rambling like crazy. Oh, no, it's, it's all interesting stuff. So... <clears throat> First of all, why did you have some time away from UK hill climbing scene? It would appear by CTT website you missed out on the 2022 season. Uh, I was doing track stuff. I was a guest rider with British Cycling. Uh, I was experimenting with doing some piloting for the Paris squad um, on a tandem. So visually impaired athlete on the back. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, doing some tandem piloting uh yeah so way out of anything to do with hill climbing i was taking that quite seriously you know take a chance mm -hmm. is that something you're gonna do more of or... uh unfortunately that ended i did a it was sort of between me and a one other guy to get this sort of piloting spot and that was to go to commie games and then go to world straight after Unfortunately, it was at the exact same time I needed to hand in my undergrad master's uh, undergrad ah. dissertation. So uh, that was like a real, real tough sort of few weeks for me, like really tough. Uh, did the time, um, basically got the exact same time as this other guy and they chose the other guy. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't really know if there is a route for me to get back in, but mm. I'd like to do a few more kilos just on my own. Like I got a bit of feel like I got a bit of unfinished business there. Will you ever break the Monsal record? Um, so I've got within two tenths before, two or three tenths before. Uh, the day I did that, you can check on sort of apps like my windsock and stuff. Uh, that was a very slight headwind, very slight headwind. Uh, if if there was like a moderate tailwind, that the, the records are 114 if that was a moderate tailwind and i did the exact same ride i did it would have been like a 110 wow um and that's like a moderate tailwind so it's definitely possible i can get a little bit stronger than my peak self before i think and i would love to break it i would absolutely love to um i'm actually like because i wasn't going to hill, hill climb this year i know this isn't a, a short answer again sorry <laughs> all right uh, I wasn't going to hill climb, uh, but I've ended up doing it. And now I'm sort of gutted. I'm not in great shape. Yeah. But it's sort of, it's made me appreciate that, like, I would love to have another, like, really successful season. Like, there's something about being, like, you're sort of, like, the best version of yourself at something. Like, it's really satisfying. Mm -hmm. And I don't think you need to be the, the best person, like, out of the whole competition. Like, maybe this is something that other people can uh, appreciate. 
but just like to be re a really good version of yourself mm. at one thing is, is i think it's an amazing feeling and you don't always appreciate at the time of of being in that in that mm. spot mm. um so now that i'm not in it and i can sort of look back and appreciate i would love to do that again and like mm. come come in really hot one year mm. but then it's it's all weather dependent isn't it which is that's the annoying thing with yeah, hill yeah climbs sure. and stuff yeah I, I can relate to what you're saying i've done it many times myself before where for example take the cross season like there's been seasons where i've gone into the cyclocross season real relaxed and thought oh you know i'll just have fun this year i won't necessarily you know get in perfect cross shape and i've been doing crits all summer and then i think oh you know at the end of the crit, crit season i'm just gonna have a bit of break from cycling do a bit of running I do my bit of running and then I'm, i start the cross season i'm like oh damn it i just wish i was on form because i'm actually better than i expected myself to be so if i was actually in better shape i would you know but it's one of those isn't it i mean you've done a lot of other stuff this year that you wouldn't have previously done um so record stands at 114.2 set in 1981 um, yeah, i think it's i think it might be the longest standing record left in, in hill climbs madness yeah um so yeah you're a couple of tenths off that i mean surely if you think back in the day when you had a you know your best time if you had a bit of a tailwind you'd have done like 110 111 110 surely at your current body weight if you have a tailwind on the day you're within touching distance there anyway uh annoyingly i think i agree that it is it's possible with a really good tailwind but I also think I'm probably not going to be the fastest person on the day. Right. So I'm actually sort of hoping that it's not a tailwind. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I get second and someone else breaks the record, yeah. I'll be pretty upset. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> how many, sorry, how much lemonade is in a Northern Shandy? <laughs> I don't know if you know who asked this by the question. I can or... imagine. Yeah. Uh, it depends how much of a good time you want to have. <laughs> what is your PV PB for squats? Uh, 180 Astagrass. Wow. Astagrass. Fuck. Yeah. Well, th th here's a tip for the gym. Um, really like focus on full range of motion. You'll get way, way more strength gains and adaptations out of the exercises and you'll be far healthier for it. So don't just add weight if you before you get completely full mobility. I would play devil's advocate a little bit. There, oh yeah. Personally. I, there's different ways of looking at it for me. Some might argue that if you are using the strength training for the full pedal stroke range of motion potentially plus a bit more and you are absolutely prioritizing quality within that range of motion then that is a better performance enhancer than going let's say as to grass way 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 past range of motion from a cycling pedal stroke but therefore hugely compromising the external load the, the 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 weight on the bar so i 
I it's very easy to argue and I because I agree as well in some ways but um if you practice with full range of motion it's not it's not a detriment to the overall amount of weight you can lift because that will be the most amount of weight you can lift like you'll you'll become habituated to doing it in that uh, motor pattern um and there's there's other benefits that you get from going through a full range of motion by um exciting all of the uh, faciles and stretching them um stretching can lead to good um like hypertrophic benefits and stuff um but also like to agree with you if you want to take it like super specific then maybe in some sort of like if you're peaking for an event where you have these particular joint angles and i totally agree that mm. you should sort of maybe add in a peaking phase where you do only mm. go to specific angles so totally hear what you're saying i think the best way of approaching it is actually doing both anyway um yeah like you just said like having having some sessions where you go through full render motion some sessions when you don't um moving on uh what is your favorite hill climb memory or victory being very specific with one uh yeah i can think of i mean there's there's probably a lot of oh actually yeah there's quite a lot of equal ones i've got some great ones where maybe i didn't even do great but we did like a team effort or like me and a friend did it but i'm not allowed to talk about because i can only speak uh, talk about one so uh, i'll say on the isle of butte in scotland me and my dad went to a hill climb called the Serpentine Hill Climb, which is to to ride it. It's like a roller coaster. It's this crazy, um, you know, that street in San Francisco where it's like zigzags up. Um, it's just hairpin, hairpin, hairpin. Mm. It's like that, but like way tighter. It might be steeper. I don't know. And the hairpins go from like really shallow and then bigger and bigger, and you end up on these massive zigzags. <laughs> anyway, it's on an island. Uh, and me and my dad did like a big road trip to go out uh, and my dad's not seen like come to many events um he likes to read about them and stuff but yeah we went together and so it was like a sort of lads trip there for went there I for the day and i got the course record that was cool uh, and he yeah he saw me do it so uh, there's a video on my instagram of me doing it actually mm. and that's him him holding the camera so that's cool oh brilliant ice cream afterwards it was fun <laughs> <laughs> Do you think you could be competitive in five minute and over climbs? That's a good question. Um, not at the same level, no. No. So what like, would you say is your, um, for you, is it literally the shorter the better kind of thing for you then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I'd say anything under two minutes, I've got, mm -hmm. um, I'd back myself to be the, well, I'd back myself to be the best all time going by course records and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, not to, to, I want to sound modest, but <laughs> I like to be, I like to be realistic and sort of scientific. And uh, that that's a tip actually for like uh, your mental preparation and stuff. Like just understand what you're capable of and like, just, just do that. And like, there's nothing else you can do, you know? course so like i'm quite critical of my own performance and but i also just understand what i can do this is a fairly generalized question i guess but try and answer it as short as you can how do you prefer prepare yourself mentally for competition the week of leading up to the day yeah i think I've, i just started to answer it there like i don't really need to um 
I understand what I'm capable of. Um, just go and do my best. Um, mm -hmm. Quite relaxed about it. Bit of that out of body, like just watch yourself do the power numbers you know you can do. Yeah, nothing else you can do. Here's a question I've got for you. Um, do you think, let's just take Monsel as an example, but it's relative to all hill climbs at that kind of standard. Do you think the top 10 guys are all accessing the same perceived effort, the same capacity of themselves, and it's li the limiting factor is their fitness, their strength, and their, you know, their equipment? Um, or do you think there is variance in that top 10 of how hard they are actually going? Uh, we can't know that. So I'd quite like to know that answer, same as you. Uh, but I would suspect that maybe in a field of 100 people, I think maybe the top 60 might all be doing the same effort. Mm -hmm. Not just the top 10. I think it's a it's a great equalizer, isn't it? It is. Like, it do, what does it, it doesn't get easier, you just go faster, right? Mm. Closing questions. If you had one piece of advice to an aspiring hill climber, what would it be? I think a little bit of a tricky one because it might not come like these things just happen organically. But if you can surround yourself with a nice little team and it can be like you and one other person but like you and one other person if you just have your own little chat and you both quite like hill climbs and you've both got similar sort of goals um then that can be really comforting and useful and you can talk about you know what each other's doing and what your goals are and how to get there and like you'll just learn a lot together and it's it's better to do it as part of a mini team i like that i really like that i feel like for me, for many years, I've been quite isolated in my goals and what I want to strive for. And then now and again, you come across an individual who is, you know, very level-headed with what you're wanting to do. And it's very, um, very helpful. Um, do you regularly train with others then, or is it mainly yourself? Uh, not really, but shout out to Nick Latimer and like, Charlie Openshaw, like I've got these people I can speak to. Uh, it just makes it a bit more fun. Hmm. Like I, I've uh, Nick Latimer, for example, he's an amazing hill climber vet now, and uh, we we live pretty close to one another, but just too far away to do a lot of training together. But while we might not be training together, like as soon as each session finishes, we'll text each other the, the results. You know, hmm. so like we may as well have been training together. Hmm. Robin Clay, our last guest, um, left you a question. It's something that I do for every podcast. She did not know who was coming onto the podcast when she asked this question. And she just asked, what's your favorite chocolate in a box of heroes? Oh, which one uh, heroes? You know heroes what? when I it's like Snickers it. and stuff. I had to Google it. <laughs> I had to I'm, Google this. Because what, you've got celebrate? Am I thinking of celebrations or not? Uh, I Googled it. Um, the other is it day. heroes you get topics in? 
Heroes is where you get twirl, fudge, yeah. dairy milk, crunchy, those ones. Yeah, a topic. I don't know if they still do the topic, but that was my favorite. Oh, right. Is that the one with the nut in it? Yeah, yeah. Hazelnut. Ah, yeah, yeah. That would be my choice too. That's a good question. Callum, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Um, to be quite honest, <laughs> I almost feel frustrated because every one of those subjects that we went through, I felt like we could have filled it out four times, if not more. Um, and I kept having to like move you on. We've talked for an hour and 30 or more minutes now, and it's just flown by. It's been a great pleasure. And to be honest, I do hope to maybe do another podcast on one of these specific subject areas. So, for example, we might do one in the future just on Monsel and how to race it, how to pace the effort, how to, you know, what it's about. Um, but for now, it's been great to get to know you, um, your background, learn your training style and hear about your experiences in training and racing so far. I wish you the very best this weekend um, and I'll sh I'm sure you'll have a, a great result regardless. Thank you very much and good luck for the future. Yeah, thanks for having me. Sorry if I rambled, but I hope little bits maybe some people found helpful. There was no lap rambling at all, Callum. Thank you very much. <laughs> Cheers, Tom.